The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every true tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good evening. Before we dive into these beautiful readings of the second Sunday of Advent, just a, a, a little word of precaution. We got an email recently from the bishop's office sent to all the priests of the diocese because we have 104 parishes. And there's a common scam, even happened under Father Berg, where they'll hack our contact list, they'll get your phone numbers, and they'll send out text messages pretending to be us. And it's usually the text message we'll read. It's sometimes broken in English so you can tell us from abroad. And they'll say something like, oh, this is Father Brian. Can you help me with something? I need a gift card or, or money. Send me money. I'm stuck somewhere across the, in another country and, I'm, and I need money to be sent to me. So if you ever get a text message purporting to be from myself or from Father Reggie or from any priest, it's not us. We'll never ask for gift cards. But if you get a text message from me in the middle of the night asking for fried chicken, that actually might be me. Okay, so... <laughs> 
because I get hungry at night. Get the munchies. So don't pay attention to any of those text messages for money. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. For many people, sacred scripture is hard. There's funny names, funny places, things that are unfolding before our eyes. We have no idea what, what they're talking about. But one of the ways to delve deeper into scripture, to get the full depth of its meaning, is to remember who it was written for. Because as, as 21st century hearers, many of the details that we hear in sacred scripture are lost on us. But oftentimes we can delve deeper when we start to look at the readings with Jewish eyes. So for this evening, we are all Jews right now. We're all Jews. And the moment we take on that perspective, all of a sudden, all of the details that we heard today begin to jump out of the pages. Enter John the Baptist. John the Baptist suddenly appears. And if you're a first century Jew, all of the details that you heard in the gospel today would not have been lost. So John the Baptist was a particularly difficult figure, a mysterious, strange figure. Imagine, here he is, here's a guy, probably would have long hair, he would have had a huge beard, wearing camel's hair. That's not normal, by the way, even in first century standards. Wearing a leather belt, eating locusts and honey. So he would have been skinny. Not much calories in locusts and honey. He would have been one of those people, if we were walking down the street and we saw John the Baptist coming towards us, we would cross the street. He's that type of crazy person at first sight. The gospel begins. John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea. If you're a first century Jew, what do you think about first when you hear the word desert? Every practicing Jew would immediately would have understood. Ah, I remember that time period with Moses and the Jewish people when he set them free from slavery in Egypt. Where did they walk through in order to get to the Holy Land? The desert. So the desert has a powerful cultural significance for the people. Because God had set them free that were in bondage from them. And they journey 40 long years as they wander through the desert, slowly making their way all the way to what's now modern-day Israel. So the fact that John the Baptist appears precisely in the desert, the first century Jew would have thought of, ah, Moses, my ancestors, walking through the desert. Then, all of a sudden, now, where is John the Baptist baptizing people at the Jordan River. 
Now, if you're a first century Jew, that's not just a, a random detail. You, you would immediately thought of the book of Joshua, chapters 4 and 5. As the Jewish people now are, are walking the path through the desert, they're making their end. They're coming to the end of the 40 years. They're about to enter into the Holy Land. But before they can inherit the Holy Land, they have to cross a river. Guess what river that is? The Jordan River. And it is precisely at this spot of the Jordan River where John the Baptist is, that is where the Jewish people crossed into the Holy Land to receive their inheritance from God. So immediately the first century Jew would have thought, hmm, desert, we're crossing the Jordan River, the same place our ancestors did. Something is happening here. Next detail as it begins to unfold. He is a voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. Again, for us, 21st century modern people, this makes no sense. Ah, but now we're Jews tonight. So immediately when we hear this language, we go back to the prophet Isaiah. Quite coincidentally, the first reading today It's precisely from the prophet Isaiah. And it reads, as you heard, On that day a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. What was happening here in the prophet Isaiah, it was written in the year around the 8th century B.C. So the prophet Isaiah was 800 years before the coming of Jesus. What was happening at this time period where Prophet Isaiah was active was that the southern kingdom of Israel, so if you recall your Jewish history, the Jewish people had separated themselves from a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was known as the kingdom of Judah. What was happening in the kingdom of Judah was that they had fallen away from the, from the path of God. Why? It is the same temptation that we all face today as Catholics. When we're surrounded by, by people, by a majority that do not behave like us, there is peer pressure to behave like everybody else, to make my moral life in conformity to the world. This is, by the way, why the Catholic Church is always hated, because we always proclaim that the moral truths of our faith are unchangeable. But then what does the culture say? The culture is always shifting and trying to make us adapt to the culture. And that's always the cultural battle we face as Catholics. The temptation to behave like everybody else. That's nothing new. In the 8th century, the southern kingdom of Judah sadly started to make their moral lives to be like their pagan neighbors. And they stopped worshiping God correctly. And they started worshiping the gods of their, of their more powerful kingdoms that surrounded them. And so what God did, he removed his presence from the temple. It's called in in, in Hebrew, God had removed his shekinah, his glory from them. Because they they, they had disobeyed God, and out of punishment, God said, you no longer want to listen to me, you want to behave like everybody else, so I will remove myself from you. All of this is happening 
in the time of Isaiah. But amazingly, here's what God does. God does not leave us in our failings and our mistakes. He says, one day, I shall take a sprout from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David, who was the royal lineage, the greatest king of the Jewish people. And God had promised in that first reading that one day, my glory shall return to you, and I will send you the Messiah, who will now restore the sacred kingdom of Israel, will destroy all of our enemies, and would finally bring Israel back in conformity with God. So all of that is in the background when this crazy, skinny, foul-smelling, camel-wearing, locust-eating John the Baptist appears. And then look, notice what happens next. It said that all of the people started coming to John the Baptist from the Jordan, from Judea, from Jerusalem. At the Jordan River, you have to imagine this now, it would have been thousands of people crowding around John the Baptist. Why are they crowding around John the Baptist? Because every first century Jew understood, we've been waiting for 800 years for this mysterious figure to appear. 800 years they're waiting for the Messiah. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist begins at that Jordan River where the Jews had crossed over, preaching in the desert, saying precisely, the kingdom has arrived. Now do you begin to see why, if we're first century Jews, we're running to the Jordan River. We can't run fast enough to the Jordan River and to see this John the Baptist. And now what's next? The first words, as John the Baptist ushers this kingdom. He says, Metanoiate, repent in Hebrew, in Greek rather. Metanoiate means change your life. If you want the kingdom of God, you must change your life, completely turn. The idea here when he says repent, it's an idea of going in one direction, stopping and doing a complete 180 and going the opposite direction. That begins to make sense. Why? Because God had left them because of their failings. And all of a sudden, the crowds start crowding around him. And they begin to ask, are you he who was promised by Isaiah? And I love John the Baptist's next line. He says, I am not he. I am simply preparing the way of the Lord. There is one who is coming after me that I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. He says, I am just baptizing you with water. But the one coming after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit. Numa in Greek. 
the very breath of God. This word here for the Holy Spirit is the same word you harken back to Genesis now. You remember when God had created Adam? It is that same word. So when God created Adam, he formed them out of the dust of the earth that God breathed into him. It is that same breath of God into Adam. Now when Christ will come and usher in the Messiah, we will now receive the true Holy Spirit. Guess what the first word out of the, word, out of the mouth of our Lord and Savior? The first word out of Jesus' mouth when he begins his public ministry. He says, Metanoiate. It is the same word that John the Baptist uses. Why? Now let's be honest for a moment. Let's be real. What is our truest enemy? It is not some power, political power of oppression. It is not slavery to some form of government like in the Old Testament with Moses and the Jewish people. Our truest slavery is sin. Sin is that it is all of our addictions, it is all of our all of our mistakes which we keep repeating. And we're constantly getting caught up. We, we, we constantly fall and fail. We constantly can't break free from our brokenness. If you want to be real, there is something in every single one of us. We all recognize that, that there's something wrong with me. I am not okay. I am not okay. And I know I constantly fail and I constantly choose sin in my life. And I'm constantly afflicted by these chains. You see, God knows that. And if God is indeed our Father, God wants to heal that that's which hurts us the most. And that is why the first words out of John the Baptist and out of our Lord Himself, to usher in this new kingdom, we must first break free from our truest enemy. And it must first begin. Repent. And that is why, oh my brothers and sisters, I love our Catholic faith. I absolutely love and white is the greatest gift that my parents ever gave me, by the way. Because here in the Catholic Church, we have the audacity to listen to your sins, don't I? <laughs> Every week I am in that little room. Oh, you see that little room I sit in. I sit in there. And then you come. Oh, I marvel at you every time you come into that room. Every time you come into that room, you are listening to John the Baptist. You are listening to our Lord. And why, during this beautiful season of Advents, the church asks of every single one of her sons and daughters, come to confession. Why? Because I want to listen to all the titillating details of your lives? No. Your sins are boring, by the way. Did you know that? No matter what you've done in your life, your sins are utterly boring. 
Rather, I am more interested in the soul that is humble, contrite, and that says, Jesus, I need you. I am lost without you. And I have done some bad things. But the beauty of our Catholic faith says that every time you walk into that room and you walk out, you are a new creation. Sin no longer has any power over you. You are made clean. And you are made whiter than snow. That, my friends, is the kingdom of God. And where Christ reigns gloriously.